Hello from the sunny beaches of St. Kitts and Nevis. Welcome to Dextrocardia, your one-stop shop podcast for everything related to life as a Caribbean medical student. I'm your host, Nihal Satyadev, a second-year medical student at the University of Medicine and Health Sciences. Disclaimer, the opinions expressed by guests of this podcast do not reflect the opinions or views of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's dive in. Hey everyone, today we have Lizette Lerma with us. She is currently a second year medical student at the University of Medicine and Health Sciences. Throughout her time at UMHS, she participated in the bilingual education program where she served as a language guru. She was a mentor in the Power Up program and today she's here to talk to us about her current position as a teaching assistant for Pathology One. She received her bachelor's in biochemistry from TAMUCC and earned a master's in biotechnology from UTSA. Throughout graduate school, she worked as a research scientist, a brand ambassador, and worked as a teaching assistant for various courses. Additionally, she previously worked as a medical scribe for physicians throughout the coastal bend area of Texas. Lizette, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I think you know more about me than I know about people that I know, (laughs) but um, basically I'm just a path TA and a medical student. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your journey and what made you decide to go into medical school. Uh, Watching my dad. My dad is a physician. So watching him and interact with patients and hearing about his days since I was little, I wanted to be like, it's that generic story. I want to be like my dad. I I love that. How long has he been an ER physician for? (laughs) I don't think he wants me to reveal his age, but it's, it's been a while. I, I want to say about 40 years. Wow, that's amazing. You probably heard amazing <laughs> stories. Yeah, of course. I'm pretty sure some are embellished to make him look a little better, but yeah. So is that, tell me why you wanted to become a pathology TA. Well, I genuinely loved the course. I mean, you're actually putting, and this is true, you're putting all of the information together that you learned throughout your basic sciences you know, the core, your cell biogenetics, it's all finally coming together where it feels like genuine medicine before it felt like undergrad. But I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say (laughs) that I genuinely wanted to interact with more people, especially during, you know, COVID, this COVID crisis. It gets kind of lonely when you're studying by yourself constantly. It helps to reach out. And then plus it further solidifies the information. For sure. I can definitely see how studying online and just not being on that campus atmosphere can be isolating. Mm -hmm. And plus this way you get to reach out to students and you're you're helping them, which is awesome. Yeah, I hope so. I hope I'm helping. So can you kind of explain to me the format of how Pathology One runs? I know that each professor is kind of responsible for their own content, but can you kind of share what content each professor is usually responsible for or just the content that can typically be seen in each block? Well, I know as far as the first block was concerned, it's just basically the basics of pathology, the adaptations, hyperplasias, you know everything it slowly builds upon itself 
throughout the entire course. And then at the end of the course, you're gonna end up learning about your leukemias. It's just a progressive. It's not something that it's gonna be totally overwhelming when you get in there day one and just you have to know about every 100 diseases. No, it's just, it's pretty. It kind of builds and grows yeah. as you go from beginning to the end. Gotcha. Is there any block in particular that you feel had the most material or was the hardest? Personally, that would be block two, which um, that had a lot of the neoplasias, a lot of the markers that you, it's easy to get lost in the different markers for the different types of neoplasias, what you need to look out for. It, it can be a little overwhelming, especially since numbers and let, random letters together. Usually it doesn't work for many people. Most people's brains, they do not like that combo, letters and numbers. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of memorization. I remember I remember that neoplasia section of Path 1, and definitely there was a lot of letters that you would normally put together but yeah, like for F1, like the markers, yeah, tumor markers. Psych. It's easy yeah. to get mixed up. For sure. Do you have any tips on, for students on how they can succeed in that material or what tools they can use to help learn that material? I think the easy part, or, well, what makes it difficult is that they also forget to approach it just like I did. That was my downfall. I forgot to approach it as what is the big picture? I was too focused on the minutia of everything that I forgot the big picture. I mean, I, I still did well, but that was my lowest block, was block two. Um, but as how I would prepare was usually priming my, priming my mind with videos, either from Pathoma or Boards and Beyond before class. So that since they give you a great synopsis of everything that you're gonna be encountering in a lecture, you're gonna be able to pick a lot of things up during lecture and be like, okay, well, I do rem I remember that section. I remember those words, you know, if that makes any sense at all. Oh yeah, no, completely. At least you're kind of familiar with the material you're about to learn. Some of the words you can, you're right, priming your mind. At, yeah. And it helps that. you also focus on the big picture overall. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if you're hearing it for the first time in lecture, it's easy to get tripped up on all the tiny details. For sure. So with PATH, are there any other strategies that you can recommend students can use to succeed in the class overall? Uh, aside from Pathoma and Boards and Beyond, which are amazing, um, Anki. Anki, which uses that space repetition, they have their own algorithm to ensure that you do remember it. For sure. I've heard Anki being used in some other courses too. I've personally never tried using Anki, but I feel like for my shelf exams, now that I'm in rotations, that's definitely something I might try using. But you found that it was helpful for you? Yes. As long as you do it every day as you're supposed to. It's, it's good. Gotcha. Otherwise, if you miss a few days, you're going to have about 100 cards. So they kind of build up. What have you seen are some common mistakes that students have made during this course? They're afraid to answer practice questions. Tell me more about that. I think they're, they're nervous that they and not confident that they do know the material, that they leave questions till or practice questions till right before the exam. But practice questions are something to, I think people view them as something intense as if there are a mock exam and that 
it's dictating who they are and how intelligent they are, but they're, they're just a study aid. And I think that's where a lot of students could improve if they actually just change their mindset about it because they do help you. So you think that it's better for students to be doing questions throughout the course opposed to just before an exam? Yeah, because it does help you know where you're weak. So do you actually even know the material? Or you could study it one day, answer questions, and you still miss key information that you didn't personally stress when you were studying. Mm -hmm. But that's really you know, those questions. Mm -hmm. And which question banks do you recommend? U World. I I use the Lippincott Q and A's also. Just any any question source actually. Any questions will provide that that learning I mean, tool related to the course, not mm -hmm. you know, anything else. <laughs> and so, tell me a little bit about the format of your TA sessions. How do they run, or what do you review during your reviews? Uh, well, actually, Nihal and I usually switch it up. So one day I'll lecture, one week I'll lecture and he'll do questions and then the opposite the following week. And usually uh, we try to ask questions to make sure that they're listening, if they're actually there. Um, but as far as when I'm doing questions at the end of the PowerPoints, I like to run through how I was taught how to answer questions. I mean, I know that sounds weird, and a lot of people no. don't that, but there's somewhat of a little bit of an art to answering questions and trying, especially when you have those giant question stems. So usually I'll just walk through everything that I was trained to do with them. And what were you trained to do? So I immediately, I utilize all my markers on my, or my highlighters on audibility. And first things first is I'll go through, I'll ignore the entire question. Just go to the bottom. What are they asking me? Highlight that first. Then I look at my answer choices. Okay. So I looked at the question. This whole thing is pertaining to say, I don't know, the mechanism behind this disease. And you're like, okay. And then you start looking at your answer choices. Okay. Do these all fit within what they're asking for? If not, cross them out. Then you go back through your question stem and you skim through it. Usually you can find keywords at that point and you already kind of know where they're headed and what they're thinking of and you go back to answer your question. So you kind of rule out some of the bad, bad answers, trick answers, etc. And it helps lessen time. It's true, especially in past, the question stems do become longer and longer, and there's a lot of information as well as pictures. So I definitely see how reading the question, the last sentence, which is usually the question, can uh, can be beneficial, especially in past. That's good advice. <laughs> so given that COVID is now a thing, have the study methods or sources changed at all? I've actually been struggling with them as far as adapting this, the and changing my study skill or study strategies because of COVID. Usually I do well sitting in class listening to lecture. I was always I, I was obnoxious in the front row asking questions. <laughs> I was one of those. So being at home it's so easy just to turn on and just passively listen, not actively listen, engage during lectures. 
Um, I now have to uh, listen twice, usually to my lectures, once during and then after again, because it's just, it's a lot, it's difficult to focus. I'm still trying to find my groove right now. Yeah, it's just taking a lot more work. I get that. I get understand how listening to it on a computer can some like it's easy to be passively learning instead of actively learning. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have any tips on how to try to stay focused and pay attention even though it's um, lectures are being done online? Uh, I would say, no matter what time. I know the time change is a little difficult. Get up at least 30 minutes before the class, at least your first class. I know mine's, my classes start at 6 a.m. now after this time change, so it's not, it's not fun. Um, get up, work out, working out helps a lot, especially first thing in the morning. It's the only thing that actually enables me to sit and focus for a while. I don't know if I needed to get that extra energy out or that actually helped out a lot. And then drinking coffee, of course. <laughs> but I like that it's easy to like think your class is at 8 30 let me wake up at 8 20 since it's at home but having that time to really wake up the mind can definitely help do you have any advice on how students can take the material that they've learned in path one and kind of keep up to date with it and review it prior to step I would say again Anki Anki just constantly doing Anki. I think people should put it all in, I don't know, maybe into a couple of decks instead of having multiple decks where you're not slaving away and being a complete slave to Anki, but it would, it does help with space repetition to ensure that it's, you're constantly um, being reminded at some level of the material. So you mean instead of having, for example, a path one deck, but to have different different categories in them? Yeah, say for the semester, you have a deck. Like med one, you have a deck for all of those. Because it is a lot of information. So just not to get too overwhelmed. For sure. Yeah. And lastly, I know from speaking with you in the past that you're a true advocate for mental health. Can you speak a bit about where your passion stems from? Uh, just myself and my family. When I was little, um, I was about 12 years old, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. She's fine now. She's there. But initially, uh, they gave her about five years to live. So it was a little difficult. It was then that I started seeing the effects of stress and huge events and how they affect you. Um, but see my entire family come together at that when they noticed that it was really truly affecting me whether it was in school or i became a little bit sassier with my attitude because i was upset you know um they immediately didn't question it they didn't hesitate they just sent me to talk to somebody so truly i think it it started there that I realized that, okay, this is important. You gotta put your, you gotta take care of you before you can help anybody else or try to help anybody else. Even though I know at 12, I really couldn't do anything, but I'd help around the house when I could, you know, to help the adjustments. Cause I still had a five-year-old sister at that time. 
So. Wow, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> she loves to rub it in our faces. <laughs> yeah. She's not going to work. Oh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice for students who may be feeling anxious or overwhelmed in general during school or any examples of self-care that you think might be helpful? I would say not to be ashamed of whatever makes you feel good. Doing what, I mean, if it's legal, you know, we want to keep it safe. But I mean, I was kind of embarrassed when I started playing video games again. But they're so helpful, like Animal Crossing. I check out, I mentally check out, and I have the best times playing Animal Crossing. It's <laughs> addicting. So, so I know as we get older, we're supposed to act, or on some level, we're supposed to, we think we're supposed to act like adults, but get in touch with your inner child and don't be ashamed of it. Anything I love that. Yeah, do whatever makes you happy, with, as long as it's, again, legal, healthy, etc. But yeah, and also don't be afraid to reach out to people because I know usually when you're feeling low, you feel like you're a burden on yourself, much less on anybody else. You don't want to impose your problems on anybody else. But usually, especially medical students, we're all feeling it at some level. Others are better at hiding it or <laughs> just keeping it together. But it's, it's a difficult journey for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, international medical student or not. It's still medical school. It's still heavy. Very, very well said. It is. It, it definitely is. It's a lot. Especially now, I feel like with the pandemic and COVID being isolated, it can be a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, Lizette, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a very informative, I'm very happy, and I'm sure this is going to help many students. For everyone listening, make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have more ideas or anything that you want us to talk about or any guests that you want us to interview, send us an email at dextrocardia.podcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at dextrocardia.pc. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy.